Welcome to the Maris Review. I am so happy to have Amber Sparks sitting across from me today. Amber is the author of The Unfinished World, and her fiction and essays have appeared in American Short Fiction, Paris Review, Tin House, and elsewhere. She lives in D.C. with her husband, daughter, and two cats. And her latest story collection is called And I Do Not Forgive You. Welcome. Hello. Hello. I think I think our listeners should know that the subtitle on the book is Stories and Other Revenges. Yes. <laughs> T- tell me about that. You know, after uh, Trump was elected um, and sort of after Me Too, um, mm-hmm. you know, all the stories started breaking about Weinstein and these other folks, um, you know, I found myself in this period of intense anger, like yes. most of the country probably. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly most of the women in the country. Um, and and I didn't know what to do with it. It felt very unproductive and mm-hmm. I was not used to being angry. I'm Midwestern. We're like supposed <laughs> to be nice all the time. And um, and I, so I started to cope. I started writing um, what I came to call my little revenges, um, <laughs> where I would write a story and a woman would get revenge on a man in some sort of a way. Um, and, uh, you know, after I'd written a significant number of these, I started telling people about them and, uh, you know, suggesting this as like catharsis to others, yeah. other writers. And, uh, and people were like, you should maybe put that out as a book. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, when when uh, the time came to do that, I, I really wanted somewhere I wanted to have revenge on the book. Yeah. And my publishers are so nice. They let me do it. Um, and of course, it's right next to an axe. So that <laughs> <It's> very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pink and purple. So it's like fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For the ladies. Um, and I love the idea. Like, I think there's a primal fear of anyone who knows a writer that that the stories in the book are somehow about them. <laughs> <laughs> and that if they are there's a revenges, then then you're trying to yes. get yeah. I think it's actually really funny. I had my I had my um I went to my like longtime colorist yesterday yeah. and and gave him a copy of the book. And the first thing he said is, "Oh, is this about me?" And I was like, "What? No." But I feel like pe- people say that when I when I hand them the book. Or isn't that wild? Yeah, like, like, oh, what about me? Do you forgive me? So. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started signing the book that way. When I, was, I forgive you, like, like, but you, I forgive, you know, or whatever. <laughs> just because I was like, wow, everyone thinks it's about them. It's amazing. It's it's really amazing because it goes so far beyond the typical. Oh, all the characters in the book must be about you. Um, yeah. and and of course, this is completely a work of fiction. Yes, yes, absolutely, from top to bottom. There's like nothing in it that's that's remotely, you know, true. Well, a few things, but hardly anything. But like, I could see wanting to be reassured at the signing that. <laughs> I mean, especially the acts, right? It's you know, yes. I mean, I that's the threat that's of violence fair. is there. Um, tell me about writing anger and revenge across a whole bunch of different genres. The stories in this collection are so diverse in that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I you know, no matter what I am working on, it's always going to be very diverse because um, 
I'm working less on sort of theme and I was more on um, the idea of structure mm-hmm. and and the story behind the structure. And so um, I'm always really interested in trying something completely different than when I did right. the last story, which is why working on a novel has been really, really difficult. Uh. Um, because I just want to like, I'm like, okay, I've been doing this thing, so now I want to do something completely different. This was realism. Now I want to go over here and write a story set on a spaceship. Right. Um, and uh, but but you know, it, I, and so that was kind of a natural fit, and I always kind of write like that. But then I found, um, you know, everything that I was doing was sort of infused with this level of anger, um, and also you know it was intentional because um, you know I spent this is my fourth book three and a half. I wrote one with a friend. Um, And I spent a long, long, long time um, as a writer sort of trying not to write women too much because, Mm. you know, I felt like, oh, it's, you know, you don't want to do that. You'll lose your male audience. Like, you know, um, as a writer, serious writers write about men. Um, And after, you know, my daughter was born and and, um, when I started sort of after Trump was elected, I just was like, Wait, can I swear? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't give a fuck yeah. anymore. Like, I really, I, I want this book to be about women and for women. And if men read it, that's awesome. But I actually don't care. Um, and uh, and so the anger was very, you know, gendered in that way. Um, but it was uh, something also that I think. I think I had to also have a certain lightness in the book that right. I really worked yeah. intentionally towards because you don't – I mean, I didn't want to just have a book that was just this, like, absolute drag of, <laughs> right, you know, right. oh, my God, this woman is really angry and I'm so sorry for her, but God, who would want to read this? It was, you know, much more um, – uh, I wanted to work towards lightness and towards humor and towards hope and towards the idea that anger could be productive, yeah, not just the sort of fire that consumes everything and you know, you know, burns up the whole world, but you know, the opposite that could hopefully crystallize new things. That I love that. If you like podcasts like the Maris Review, then you'll love Kobo audiobooks. Listening to audiobooks let you fit more reading time into your life. Even when I'm stress eating or cleaning, I love to listen to an audiobook to get me out of my own head. There are two great ways to save. You can start an audiobook subscription and get your first book free. The book is yours to keep even if you cancel. And then every month afterwards, pay just $9.99 and you can choose an audiobook from the Kobo catalog regardless of the price. Some audiobooks can cost upwards of $35 or $40, so a Kobo subscription is the best way to save money every single month. Or, two, you can use the code MARIS40 to get 40% off one of their select audiobooks curated by Kobo's audiobook experts. To get started, visit kobo.com slash MARISREVIEW. Start listening to Kobo audiobooks today. Once again, that's Kobo.com slash Maris Review. And I, in the second story, I believe, um, of the Sabine women um, who have all been raped um, during the war, um, their vow for vengeance, I mean, it made me think of of Kesha, truthfully, <laughs> but maybe I'm just like, <laughs> really? Awesome. Um, and 
they collectively say we would eat evil men like mice. And <laughs> it's it's sort of a it was sort of a play on the Sylvia Plath lyric, yes. of course. Um uh, which is funny because like a long, long, long time ago I was in a band and I wrote a song about Sylvia Plath and that was the like the chorus was that, you know, the line. I eat men like air. Um and uh so I re- I got the to the end of the story and realized that was sort of the the productivity with the anger that I was working towards. Absolutely. <laughs> Instead of being subjective, they become, you know, the the object, the thing that acts. Um, and, and I do find, like, starting on that note, or not starting, but, you know, having it towards the front is cathartic and, and does warm us up appropriately <laughs> for the kinds of things <laughs> that perhaps we might find in here. Um, tell me a little bit about creating that structure. In that particular story? Or, oh, sorry. No. Or um, just in the book? In the book, because you have you have twenty plus stories, and it, it must be like working out a mixtape or something. <laughs> like, yes, it totally is. Um, yeah, it's it's always really interesting for a collection to to figure out the order, and um, and I worked a lot with my editor at Livray, mm-hmm. um, Cordelia Calvert, who's amazing. Um, yeah. Or Cordelia is my publicist, but I worked with Gina as well, and. Um, and I worked with Kat, who's my agent, and other folks too, sort of beta readers who kind of read all the stuff and, um, you know, really helped me crystallize it and think about it. But I think in this particular case, um, it was it was hard because I didn't want to sort of front load it with too much depressing stuff and have people <laughs> go, oh my gosh, okay, I can't read any more of this, I'm done. Um and and I but I also didn't want to give the impression that it would just be like light and fun and right. you know and then I'm gonna dive into the heavy stuff so so I think I sort of tried to to alternate um, and um, to try to sort of um, you know make sure that there were a few lighter pieces for every sort of um, heavier piece in right. there um, to bring to kind of. What is my, one of my friends, Erin Fitzgerald, uses the best metaphor. She calls it a diving bell structure, yeah. and like that oh, you, sure. you, you get in, and then you dive, 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 and you're really down deep, and then you get to come back out again, yes. for a little while, and then you can dive down again. And um, that's I love using that because I feel like it gets people. Hopefully, I mean, some people are just going to read one story, and that's you know, and then few days later, they'll read another one, and that's fine. Right, right, right. But I hope that, you know, some people with that structure are, like, sort of sucked into the, you know, the the um, the next story and the next and the next. And then, okay, now you can kind of come back up and take a break. I sure was. <laughs> For me, at Excellent. least. Excellent. <laughs> um, and, and tell me how you chose the title. It's a line from one of the stories. Um, and then does that – make that story have a different meaning <laughs> here. Yeah, it's um yeah, it's a line from um We Destroy the Moon. It's actually the last line of the book or um and I you know, I thought a lot about what I wanted to do with the with the the title because I knew that would sort of help determine the theme and how people would look at it and mm-hmm. and here that was really important and you know, sort of the 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 big thing about that story is that the protagonist um 
like a lot of these protagonists, sort of rejects the idea of redemption yeah. for the male, the central male figure. Um, you know, they sort of are encouraged to the idea of redemption by other people and, you know, walk away from it as a choice, and which I think is a really – was for me, was something I was thinking a lot about with um, with Me Too yeah. and with this sort of push – like we already see to redeem so many of these people. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they've, you know, they've been in Twitter jail for a few years. It's okay. They can come out now. Harvey Weinstein has a walker. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I guess. Um, yeah. You know – these people are back on tour again, making movies. It's just so, you know, I I thought a lot about that and I thought I kind of wanted to set a seal on the idea of, yeah. um, you know, you don't have to forgive people and redemption doesn't have to be part of the story um, because I think there's such a conventional idea about um, – you know, victim narratives. And it always ends with the victim forgiving their, you know, perpetrator. Or becoming stronger, wiser somehow. Somehow getting something out. And I get it. That's like comforting, right? You want that narrative. Exactly. But since this was a book (laughs) with narratives, um, narrative fiction, I wanted to sort of reject that idea. and, And to sort of embrace the idea that you can Take your anger and you can transform yourself in a way that is um, – doesn't have anything to do with the person who, you know, victimized you. And I think that's so comforting and, and something we need to see more of because, yeah, some some of us are just not forgivers by nature. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a forgiver. <laughs> I mean, well, it sort of it depends on the circumstances. But, right. You know. <laughs> but yes, definitely a, a lot of those cases, not so much. So, um, Are there any stories that you think particularly speak to a particular moment? Like is there a Me Too story <laughs> or, or are they all? Um, I mean, some more than others. Uh you know the um, uh, the saving women, for example, yeah. um, was written in a, in a night um, uh, after uh, Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed. Mm-hmm. Actually, so that I was up and my family was asleep and I couldn't do anything with the way that I felt except sit there and scroll through the stories and through Twitter and. Uh, Finally, I was like, I just have to write, even if it's totally unproductive. And, um, you know, I sat down and wrote that story in like two hours. Mm. Um, I was like down this Wikipedia hole for something completely different, actually, and remembered the story of of the women and the whole, you know, birth of Rome and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, I'm going to tell this story in a different way because that's the only thing I can think of to do right now. Um, So definitely that one, that one was – uh, you know, there's, I think, a, I mean, a good number of them, you know, just came out of sort of a general, a general way that I was feeling rather than like a specific moment in the news. Sure. Um, one of, one of the things that I notice in, in many of your stories, at least the more realistic ones, is that your characters are very, quote unquote, Online, <laughs> they speak in yes. hashtags <laughs> or abbreviations. Tell me about because I kn- I know yeah. that there are so many authors who don't yes. want to get involved in that intentionally. So yeah, it, you know, and it's actually something. I mean, 
You know, to each their own. Everyone has their own way of writing. But um, it actually is something that drives me fairly crazy when I read a lot of contemporary fiction. When I – like if I read a – a story or book that's supposed to be set now and no one picks up a smartphone. Right. No one looks at social media. Like, no, you know, there's no sort of – the internet seems to not exist. Right. Um, or maybe barely. Um, it just – it drives me crazy because it's – it's not just it's not just this thing that's over here. It's such yeah. a it's such a fundamental part of how we exist um, yeah. that I feel like to just ignore it is not not only just ignoring you know the way that we sort of function and what we do every day, but also the way that we speak and the way that yes, that's like that that has completely changed. Um, you know, I, and I cannot remember the author's name now, but um, there's a great book that I that a friend just let me um, called Because Internet. Have you oh seen yes, this? yes, yeah. yes, yeah. And I was, and yeah, I think of you know, it's all about how the internet has changed the way that we speak. Um, and you know, some people are certainly more online than others. Yes. Sometimes I tell my husband things, um, and he's like, "I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> That's very bizarre because he's like unaware of the memes. Um, but um, but I felt I felt like for me to be writing a story or writing stories about women in this time and place. Um, and to not include sort of the online community and the way that yeah. um, our speech patterns have changed and the way that um, the internet sort of, you know, we get information and pass it on and that internet like sort of, you know, forms so much of our community. Mm -hmm. um, to just sort of ignore all that seemed to me it would just feel very empty. Um, and it, And it's also, you know, part of just the way that I I write, I talk and I write sure. now, right? It's like right. I couldn't even go back if I tried. Um, uh, and so, you know, some of that has just infiltrates everything. I mean, some of the stuff like the hashtags, of course, I, I do not, I do not <laughs> no, speak, speak in hashtags. That would be very weird. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, a lot, a lot of the, you know, sort of inflections and the dialect and things um, in the stories are very much like a reflection of the fact that I spend a lot of my time sitting there with a the phone in my hand. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's such a funny thing that there are aspects of our day-to-day -day lives that people don't think are important or don't change how you view the world. Yeah. It's it's crazy to me too because I you know as a writer like the writer community is so much about being online. I yes. mean so many of the people that I know, I mean you being one of them, mm -hmm. like I just met you today for the first time right. like, in, but in real life. Um so many people that I consider to be my friends um and and people that I know are people that I only know from that community. Um so yeah, it is a really it is a really interesting thing when I see a writer, especially one that is it is very like sort of online, you know, and they put out this book and there's no internet in the book and people seem to just, you know, write things down on I mean not that I don't use notepads, I do, but you know, it's 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 and no criticism of that. That's just No, a, of course style, not. It sounds like it sounds actually an lovely. ideal <laughs> version of the world. It's amazing. I'm, but for me, yeah, I guess I can't quite get past those sort of like weird um, maybe slightly dystopian place that we find ourselves in. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about the story Lavoisier's wife. So, um, so that story came out of 
some research that I'd been doing for, I can't even remember what now, which is frequently what happens. Um, but I went down a rabbit hole, discovered, um, you know, Marie um, Paulza uh, and um, the woman who's Aunt, uh, Lavoisier's wife, the famous chemist. And, you know, it was talking a little bit about how she was kind of actually his lab partner and she right. helped him a lot. Keep um, mate. Yeah, help me. Help right. me. Yes, help me. Help me. <laughs> That's right. Um, and, uh, you know, she's she's actually – there's a very famous um, Jacques-Louis David painting um, with the two of them together. Um, and she was sort of known just as his um, sidekick in, right. in, <laughs> in history. Um, but, you know, nobody – in most of the stories, nobody really mentions her name. Um, what she did is sort of lost her accomplishments to history. And so I was like, God, God, I got to tell this story, um, especially when I started reading more and more, like the fact that she learned a bunch of different languages so that she could translate books just, <laughs> just for her husband, one dude, um, which was amazing. That um, is amazing. Or that she learned – she studied with this famous painter so that she could uh, illustrate her husband's, you know, work, his scientific work. Um, and with that she was able to do all that. So I, I was like, okay, I have to tell this story. And um, – and I couldn't tell it because every time I started trying to write it, it was very like, here's a schoolhouse lesson, you know, here's a history right. lesson, children. And um, it was very boring and pedantic. And uh, finally, I started playing with the idea of of the using Lavoisier's wife, Lavoisier's wife, over and over again to start right. each um, section. And... Uh, that was what ended up working for me because it was sort of this weird way of erasing her mm -hmm. in order to point toward her How erasure. She was, yes. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's a funny side note, too, that there are so many different novels called so-and-so's wife. Yes. <laughs> the storekeeper's wife. The, you know, zookeeper's wife. Yes. yes. Everybody's keeping something, but yes. Yes. <laughs> um. Talk to me about one of my favorites um, is Death Deserves All Caps. <laughs> I like that you like that one. <laughs> I really I do because I, I feel like it's one of those things that it, when you talk about revenge, um, I feel like everyone has an ideal version of what their memorial will be like <laughs> and who should be there and who yes. should not. <laughs> I always find it fascinating when people say that they've never thought about this, that they've never thought about what their, like, memorial or funeral should look like because, you know, I think about it constantly. Mm -hmm. Maybe not constantly, but a lot. Uh, and, um, and yeah, I, you know, I was writing this, this story about this woman who – which ended up being a fairly sort of conventional and very boring story. And uh, – she was a quirky character, but not enough to carry a story. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write this as a list because um, that's frequently what I do. If I get stuck, hmm. I just change the structure of the story right. um, and see if anything comes out of that. And um, from there, the voice really changed completely too, and um, and became sort of this the piece that it is, um, and sort of this meditation on. Uh, 
really I didn't want it to be about death, of course, at all, so, so much as um, about her life and the story of her life and the way that she related to the other people in it. Um, but also about death, too. <laughs> I mean – how we all think about it all the time. Yeah. How, how obsession with death is quite natural. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not it's... even just for goths. <laughs> It's it's amazing to me always, um, you know, when I – it's like, you know, that whole thing about people think differently than you and isn't that interesting? When I meet someone and they're like, yeah, I really never think about death. I'm like, wow. What must that be like? That is – I don't know if that's like freeing or not, but man, that is – that's interesting. <laughs> I'm always thinking about it. Amber, tell me what you've read recently that you've enjoyed. Oh, goodness. Um – so recently, um, I read The World Does Not Require You. Oh, yeah. By my friend Rian Amilcar Scott. And it is uh, one of the best books that I read in 2019. Okay, um, good. Such a good book. Um, it's a short story collection. Um, and he's one of the most interesting uh, prose stylists writing right now, I think. Um, just all of these stories are very interesting. Um, one is – like one of the stories is designed as like a course. <laughs> oh, it's, such a, it's a super fascinating book um, okay. and it's also really, really well written. Um, what else? Um, I am really late – to the party, and I also don't know how to say her name. Miriam, is it Tews? I Toes? believe it's Tevs. <laughs> Tevs, okay. See, I knew I was going to butcher that. I can never pronounce anyone's name. Um, but uh, I read Women Talking, yeah, and just became obsessed with her. Um, yeah. and read all my peony sorrows, and um, and so good. Uh, bought a bunch more of her stuff to read. But um, yeah, uh, Women Talking was. Um, I don't. You know, I have a four-year-old, so I read a little slower than I used to when I go to bed a little earlier, little than I used to. Um, but I read that one um, throughout an, a, like an entire night. I did not sleep. <laughs> I slept like an hour because I just couldn't – I couldn't, couldn't put, put it down. It. Um, and I felt weird about not being able to put it down in a way because it's it's in some ways such a sad book and such a hard book. But it's also a, an incredibly gripping, compelling and book. And you – kind of need to read until that they they reach an yes, answer. They yes. actually decide something, yes. which I think is comforting yeah. in some way. Oh, yeah. And my husband, you know, hadn't even read it yet. Um, uh, we I always am giving him books to read. And he's he's like the ideal reader because he's not a writer, <laughs> which I love. Right. Um, but he, uh, he, uh, he hadn't read it yet. And I was like, oh, my God, you have to read this book because I really want to tell you what happened because I'm so happy. Um, but he he didn't read it yet, so <laughs> I'm still waiting. Okay. Well, <laughs> no spoilers. No, I won't spoil it yet. <laughs> Amber, thank you so much. Of course. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Maris Review. And check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.